So why do we need vision? Because vision is what lives in us. Vision is what guides our decision making. Vision is what guides our lives. We have vision for our families, vision for our workplace, vision for our relationships, and God needs us to have vision for our church. Vision aligns us with God's call. It gives us a mental picture of what the future could be, and it fuels our sense of purpose. Vision invites us to get a glimpse of what is possible and with God, that's just about anything. Vision creates a desire to grow and improve, to find our edge, to dream on the edge, to go beyond any limitation with God and break through whatever we thought we could do before. This year, we're going places we've never been, to the edge of the city and the edge of ourselves. We're going to need a God-sized vision to get there together. So let's talk about how this year is gonna be the year of Church on the Edge. I am excited to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family again for Vision Sunday, wherever you're making your connection with us, Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, shout out to Kendall, we love you, and then across the nation, around the world, wherever you're making your connection as we live stream today, we invite God's blessing to you. And we like to get on the same page of faith together, so would you repeat after me, wherever you're making your connection with us, would you repeat after me, I was glad when they said to me. Let's go to the house of the Lord. And our prayer is that you will have that gladness because you've connected with us today, especially for our friends, our neighbors in the Bahamas. We know that, that we are, our hearts are hurting with you. We are grieving with you over the loss, but we've been in touch with pastors and leaders there. Perhaps you're joining us from there as well through some connection right now. We want you to know of our love and prayer for you and that we are going to be there for you as well. And not just now, but we're praying for years to come in the rebuilding process. And then I would also say this, wherever you're connecting with a storm in your life right now, God is bigger than your storm. God is bigger than this life. And sometimes when storms take us out of this life, our confidence See, our confidence, sometimes that happens, but our confidence is that God is bigger than the storm and he has us in his grip for the next life. And we are praying that, um, that the confidence of his hope will bring comfort to your hearts today as well. Now, so what, do I, what I want to talk to you about is a little bit about edge. Edge. Living with edge. I recently rediscovered some of my edge on uh, the study break that I was privileged to have. And my daughter and her family were there for a few of those days. And on the day before they left, they asked me, did I want to go mountain biking with them? I'd never been mountain biking before. And we were in the Teton Range in Wyoming, and it's like, oh, this will be cool. Yeah, I'll go. I love adventure. So you know what we did? We rented the gear. We rented the bikes. And here's the drill. I mean, well, you sort of look like you're Ninja Turtle armored up, you know, so that you can, you're, and so then what you do is you take your bike, you load it on the ski lift, it takes it to the top of the hill, and then you ride that thing down on all these twisty, turny, up and down, you know, in and out trails down the mountain, which we did. We made three of those runs, and then Corey said, 
you know, I'm going to take a little break. And so Daniel and I loaded back up, went back up. What, what happened at the, at the bottom of the run, there's an opportunity, this kind of mound that's a double mound, and, um, and it's, you could just take your bike up and over and down, just like that. You know, it's pretty quick, and I'd seen a lot of people doing it. So on the third run, right before Corey took her break, I took that. And it just went up and over and down. It was like done before I knew it. So on the fourth run, after Daniel and I had made this great, it was so exciting, it was exhilarating, it was thrilling, it was challenging, come down on the fourth run, and we're down to the, over the first mound, now up to the second mound, and we're going kind of fast, and, and um, at the last second, I saw that there was another trail up that hill than the one I'd taken before, and so I thought, well, I'll just take it, and so I'm, you know, making pretty good speed up there, but what I did not realize at the time is that right at the top of that hill is this like steep incline that was intended to give riders air, which I got. I, I got air, and, but it was all happening so fast, you know, I got air, and then what I got was, what I remember is, um, what I remember is the front wheel of that bike hitting on the other side of the mound, and then bouncing, and my center of gravity was thrown way forward, so I was thrown off, and then I slammed like right on the trail, and then skidded 10 yards, and uh, suddenly everybody was coming over. It was like, man, the mountain medics were there. My daughter and son-in-law were there. Corey was going, I think that was my dad, you know? It's like, what happened? And and they were saying, now, what is your name? You know, what day is it? All that kind of stuff. Did you... And, uh, and so I just kind of, I just, I think I just, I think I had the wind knocked out of me. So I walked off the course. Long story short, you know what? Four broken ribs, collapsed lung. I'm in the hospital, St. John's Hospital in, in Jackson. Uh, really nice people there. Um, and and there's, some are celebrating with me and others are correcting me. You know, some said, wow, that was so cool, and it was so bad, cool, and, uh, you know, so some were celebrating with me, and then the doctors especially were saying things like this, now, you've crossed mountain biking off your bucket list, right? And Corey tells Lisa, she says, you know, later, she tells my wife, she says, "Um, Mom, I had no idea Dad would take the jump. Which, of course, she didn't. I didn't either until that moment. It was like, uh, and, uh, yeah, but you're wondering, well, what does Lisa think about all of this, right? I know you're wondering that. Um, do you know the song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? That's what I have experienced from Lisa. Kindness, patience, forgiveness, <laughs> and thanksgiving that it wasn't worse. But I can tell you, this is about edge, This is a story about edge, and because I was finding mine, others that were close to me were also taken into a new edge. You know about edge, don't you? Our world does. I mean, I was was finding edge. Some people live for adrenaline rush. You know, they drink Red Bull, they wear a t-shirt that says, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Others, others focus on getting the edge on their competition. 
So in sports or politics or in business, they're always looking for a, for a way to edge out the opposition, right? And then others still know how important it is, maybe this is you, to stay sharp, to stay alert, to stay present. Parents know about this. You've got to keep your edge because, and people in business know about this. Sometimes just doing your job dulls your edge. You got to stay sharp, right? Others, others live on edge, fearful, anxious. Many in our world know about this, like those in New York Times Square when the uh, motorcycle backfired and hundreds of people scattered, you know, hiding. Why? They thought a live shooter was active, and they're just on edge about it. Still others, uh, you know, they believe that, we're, that our world is literally on the edge of disaster, and we should be on edge about it too, right? So all I'm saying is edge is something we're familiar with. Dr. Alejandro Portes, a uh, professor at Miami, University of Miami, um, wrote a book about Miami. It was entitled City on the Edge, and it wasn't just... Be, our, our city is familiar with edge, and not just because we're located on the edge of the continent, literally, but because of the state of lives that populate in this part of the world. We're familiar with being on the edge, aren't we? And our church, our church in many ways is a church on the edge in a city on the edge. Our founders saw that. Back in the 1920s, when this church began, they saw a potential transnational opportunity for a local church that would touch continents for Jesus Christ. I mean, it was a huge vision, and we see it too. Jesus saw it too. In fact, when he spoke to his disciples, he, he did not say, hey, guys, you should follow me because I got the best way to play it safe in life. Jesus never claimed that following him was a play-it-safe way to go. In fact, just the contrary. He said, if you follow me, I'm going to show you how to take up your cross. I'm going to show you how to live at risk and then rise. He told his church, when my spirit, think of this, when the spirit that drove Jesus Christ, when my spirit is poured out into you, then you're going to be witnesses of me in this world, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way to the edge, to the ends of the earth. He envisions a people that are pushing out the edges outward from Jerusalem as ground zero, and then covering the whole world. And not just to people like them, and not just to people they like. <laughs> He's talking about being witnesses of God's life and love to Samaria. Now, come on, Samaritans? <laughs> the Samaritans, these were people that those early Jewish disciples, and all the disciples were Jewish, had tons of disagreement baggage with. And yet Jesus says, here's my plan. You guys love the world. Start with the enemies next door. That's not edgy to you. Jesus wants his people to 
expand the edges of his kingdom until global impact is achieved and everybody in a world on edge has opportunity to find and follow Christ. So what's the vision, Pastor? This is Vision Sunday. What's the vision? In a word, I would tell you it's edge. Edge. How do we make it personal? Let me ask you. Grow your edge. What would it take to grow your edge? Can you personally identify where your edge is right now? Find your growing edge and then push beyond it just to the next level. God wants us to grow our edge and then extend it to the next level. Now, what does it mean for you as a Christian? I'm speaking to believers today. What would it mean for you as a Christian to live your Christian life on the edge? Now, I'm not talking about being all edgy about the shape of the world, stuff going on. What I'm talking about is living on the edge of your seat with divine energy, with excitement at what God is about to do. Somebody said this, growth is what happens when you find the edge of your fear and push through it to the next level. Would you join me in that? Let's take a breath. Let's read this together right now. Growth is what happens when you find the edge of your fear and push through it to the next level. You want to revitalize your spirit. That's the edge I'm talking about. And I believe that's where God's vision would meet you. That God wants you, that God wants me, and only you can respond to his spirit's lead in this. To find your spiritual edge and then say, Lord, would you take me to the next level? I believe that's the vision. What would it take to move to the next level? And then for our church family, I think what Jesus is saying is, in a world on edge, it really matters that we stay relevant and real and, and expand the edges of our church to meet it where it is. And actually, I believe that God's vision for our church this next year of ministry isn't some new thing coming from above. It's us reviewing the things we've already been talking about for not just Vision Sunday, but for the last several weeks several messages. So what I want to do is just review them real quickly and then um, bring it in for a landing. For instance, in our Joshua series, we saw that God was wanting to move his people into a bright new positive opportunity of promise. But in order to get there, they would have to face a challenge of great uh, obstacle challenge before them. Jericho, the city of Jericho. It turns out that time was up for the indulgent city of Jericho, and as justice was coming in, what did God say? He said, I'm going to extend mercy. And so he called out Rahab, who was a prostitute, and he said, I'm going to make a safe space in your apartment for everybody you can get in. All I, all I want is that the scarlet cord be extended from the window. And so what we learned on that week is that uh, we gave out scarlet cords to everybody who participated. Just remembering this, God has made room for us, so now he wants us to make room for others in the safe space of Christ, in his Christ journey house. And then we also talked about Caesarea Philippi. Jesus had his disciples there, and that's when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, here are the keys to the kingdom, use them. And then we understood that what God wanted his church to do is to help people get secure in their salvation, what you bind on earth, and then get freed up from sin, what you loose on earth. And so our part is uh, to learn how to live our lives as living bridges 
in a world of turmoil. And that's what brought us to the Chulateca Bridge. This was in Chulateca, uh, Honduras, where Hurricane Mitch, Category 5, they got a hurricane-proof bridge built, but it moved the river. So what do you do when your bridge doesn't move and the river's right over there? And um, we see a lot of churches that aren't able to move to adapt to the river. And what we said is Jesus wants his people to be the living bridge who, as we face a world of of, uh, turbulence and of disruption, our lives can be what can help people find their way into the future of his safety, the Chulateca Bridge. But God doesn't give up on us. We saw this. Then next we looked in, at Judah in Babylon, the book of Jeremiah, this vision that because they had been disobedient and God disciplined them in their disobedience. But he didn't say, and so I'm leaving you. Good luck. No, God didn't give up on them, and he doesn't give up on us. Sometimes we drift Sometimes we rebel against God. Sometimes we feel, we get get selfish or we feel like God isn't with us, but God doesn't forsake us. We learned that those balloons are actually a reminder of how God is with us in our discipline but seeks to lift us within it so that as we work to be positive lifting influences in our culture, then we'll be lifted too. And so what he wanted his people to do was build marriages, strengthen families, and succeed in business. And so we took that challenge on and said, hey, if we can provide lift to our families and to our marriages and to our kids and into our economic culture, then it'll help others get there too. And then we also remembered that our world is full of overinflated truth claims, fake news, that can lead us astray, pop, and hurt us when we trust that which is not true. But instead, if we will provide lift, then no generation will be left behind. Speaking of generations, Angie and Andrea then stepped up to help us remember the flying oranges that we've got within our congregation as we commit to helping children and families at every age and stage of our lives from generation to generation. And then we came alongside and said, you know, our family of God is like a quilt where our lives are literally woven into the fabric of one another's lives in the church. And as people extend radical inclusivity like the grace of God and celebrate his radical diversity with within the giftedness of his church, and then show radical generosity as people come and grow and contribute and and then give of their time, their talent, and their treasure, then there's room enough for more people to gather in and also be empowered. So the quilt reminds us of the comforting and empowering grace of God. Now, what do all of these have in common? You know what it is? Edge. It's growing edge. What's God's vision? What I believe it is, Perhaps you could agree that God wants you to grow personally into a more spiritually healthy place that means you've got to identify your edge and then take it to the next level. What would that mean for you? The body of Christ. Can you imagine all of Christ's journey? You, me, every person connecting in every place, just identifying, here's my next challenge of personal and spiritual growth, and I'm going to take it to the next level. For instance... Growth in sharing Christ with others. That's called evangelism. Growth in uh, 
connecting more deeply with God's truth and with God's people. That's called discipleship. Then there's growth through investing time and talent and treasure. You know what that one's called? Generosity. And then there's investing in other people's lives, growth in kingdom influence that not only has you step up to find your place and do your part, but you're helping somebody else do it as well. That's called empowerment. That's the edge we're talking about. As we each grow in that edge, guess what? The kingdom of God advances, the edge is expanded, and you develop as the world is benefited as Christ's people take his grace, and make the difference. Now, I'll tell you this. Yes, we've got plans. we got plans for mission. we got plans for projects, local and global projects. By the way, can I just tell you, this past year, our congregation gave beyond our operating uh, budget. Well, let me start with this. We distributed 18 tons of food through Feed Miami. 18 tons. 9,700 people were fed. When you give a 15-pound bag of food, it feeds four people. So glory to God for that, right? Uh, this year, this last year, we also had 20% of our average attending congregation engaged in a local mission project. Two of all of 10, every 10 Christ journeyers involved. We had 10% of our average attending congregation involved and engaged in global mission. Why does that matter? Rick Warren says you don't judge an army by how many soldiers it feeds at mess hall. You judge an army by how many troops are on the field. And I want to say God bless every person who pushed the edge and took the gospel beyond into our community. This year we've got, you know, already got 10 mission trips planned, local and global. We've got six city-served projects planned. It's where we do good for our neighbors, no strings attached. And uh, so I want to say, yes, we've got plans. We've got plans internal to strengthen marriages. We've got Marriage You Live on the, on the docket. We've got men's ministry, women's ministry. We've got no less than last year, all of our family ministry, every age and stage of life. Opportunities to step up, to make a difference, to serve, to lead. Camps, intensives, by the way, this last year, our, kids, our children's camp, kids' camp, and student camp both were record attendances, the highest ever in our church's history. So we say, God, to God be the glory. We also celebrate 82 people baptized, taking the step across the edge into the water to declare Christ alive in their lives as well. But here's something, amen, amen. Here's something different from last year. We've got plans now to launch Miami Beach, Christ Journey Miami Beach. How about that? You want to talk edgy, it's there. But I want to tell you, the future for us isn't about our plans. We got plans, but the future is about people. God is our source, but the greatest resource God has in his church are people that are made in God's image, redeemed by God's grace, forgiven by his son, filled by his spirit, committing themselves to God's will to make a difference in our world so that other people can find their way to the kingdom as well. So all I'm talking about in this talk is sharpening the pencil that we've already been writing with so that people can keep seeing the gospel of Jesus written into their personal life. That's what edge means. Now, some of the words may sound a little churchy, like they're religious add-ons that, you know, you do along the way. 
Can I, can I just help us for a moment? I would like to show how in each of these categories, you're probably already doing it, but I would invite you to find your edge in the spiritual category. For instance, evangelism. You know, if you see someone in need and you help them find a solution, you know what you just did? You shared good news. Now, in the kingdom of God, if you're following Christ, evangelism means sharing the good news of Christ, the difference it's made for you, and how others can find help by joining the journey with you. So you share your story. It's not twisting arms. It's not high-powered, persuasive technique. It's just you share the story of how you found hope in Jesus Christ, the difference he can make for somebody else, and then invite them to join the journey with you. Evangelism. Is that your growing edge? It's you being willing to be Rahab, to extend the scarlet cord to help somebody else find a safe space in Jesus through Christ Journey Church. Is evangelism a growing edge for you? Jesus wants it to be. Discipleship, that's another word. It's another one of those churchy words. Evangelism's like a churchy word. But what it means is share your story so somebody else can get in on Jesus' story. Discipleship. That sounds so churchy. But you know what? You may already be doing it in another context. If you are learning in any part of your life how to improve and better the quality of your life, then you're a disciple. But in the spiritual context, it means you're learning how to do it in your following Christ's life, which usually involves the basics of group. Are you connected in a group? Bible reflection, an open Bible, an open heart, an open life. Prayer, worship, tithing, serving, these opportunities that would allow others to find their way by watching you. You're the salt of the, the earth, the light of the world, and they can find their way across the moving river of life because they're watching you grow in discipleship. The third word is generosity. Now, that's not a churchy word, but I can tell you something. You can't follow Jesus without it. Why? Because God, at his heart, is love. And God so loved that he gave so at the heart of the incarnation, the heart of the crucifixion, the heart of the resurrection is generosity, the generosity of God. And so as Jesus says, I'm going to put my spirit in you that drove me in life, then guess what his spirit is going to do? Challenge us, inspire us, and transform us to be more generous like God. And this is what the balloons remind us of, that as we obey God, he provides lift not only for us, but for others as well. So what we talked about this day was that as we lay up treasures in heaven, which Jesus said will all have their reward, then through the church, we seek to bring heaven to earth so that others can get in on the blessing that God is doing here. So there's a time out here for a second. Let me tell you. Uh, oh, by the way, we love the fact that when we financially fuel the ministries of Christ Journey Church, every generation benefits. We're a multi-generational church. We have six generations, maybe seven right now, that are gathering as the Christ Journey family. Seniors, builders, boomers, busters who don't like to be called a group, but you know who you are. And then millennials, and then Generation Z, and then the lowest and youngest are those little flying oranges that are already rising up, seven generations. And when we give a gift, it affects every person's journey in the body of Christ. Now, speaking of that, I want to tell you this. Last year, some of us were a part of a great financial year. Our missions giving, that's giving that touches lives beyond the walls of our church, $678,000. And it's out of those gifts, let me tell you, 
that we have a disaster relief fund that is in place that we're already accessing to help our friends and neighbors in Bahamas. Because we give, others get to live. That's what that means. Last year, our Daring Greatly gifts were 250000 That's a cumulative total now of $1.4 million that we have given beyond the budget gifts so that we could update needed facility improvements and then also so that we can launch a campus on Miami Beach. That's a vision gift there. Thank you for your gifts. Our operating ministry budget this summer ended just shy of where we need to be. You know, honestly, I got to tell you that, but I also want to say thank God for every one of the thousands of you, of us, that made a contribution so that we could end well, and especially those who stepped up in August in response to us making you aware of that opportunity. Thank you for that. Every gift matters. Why does it matter? Not just because of the lives it touches, but because you are growing to be to extend your edge. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians about, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel, that means you're improving, you're pushing the edge in everything, in speech, in faith, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, you really mean it, you're not faking it, and in love, then see that you also excel in what? The grace of of giving. Now, what does that mean? May I challenge, may I instruct those of you who have never taken a step of generous faith to consider this. Take up God on the challenge of the first dime of every dollar and see if he blesses it the way he promises in Scripture. That's called a tithe. When we say tithe, it means 10%. It's a 10% challenge. The first dime of every dollar. Now, while you're gulping and it's getting stuck right here, right now, let me tell you this, because you're saying, no, that's too much. That's too much. Okay, then consider this as a starting point, maybe, for somebody. Maybe you. I don't know. Maybe not. Right now in Dade County, poverty income level for a family of four is $25,750. So think with me for a moment. If the 5,000 Christ Journey members gave a poverty tithe, then our ministry budget right now would be over $12 million. That's three times our current budget of $4 million. If 3,000, let's back out of that. Okay, if 3,000 of us who are the average attending and giving Christ journeyers, if we were to give at this level, at poverty level tithe, our budget would almost double. Now, why does that matter? Let me give you three reasons real quick, and try to stay with me on this. I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just telling you, I'm tell, and let me tell you why. First, because imagine with me what we could do for more people if we had more resources. Does it stand to reason that if our budget was double or tripled, that we could do twice or three times as much for people than we're currently doing? That we could triple the number of teenagers we're helping. That we could double the number of families we're strengthening. That we could extend the reach of our outreach farther than we've been. That just stands to reason, right? So there's one reason. Number two, God promises to bless every gift. You cannot outgive God. Every challenge to give in Scripture comes with a promise that says God is going to do something. He's going to do something in you. He's going to do something with you. He's going to do something for you that hasn't happened yet in your journey. And that's where he will give you a story to tell, and you'll be able to step forward into that. But here's the real reason I want to include it in this talk. You know why? Because for most of us, if not all, this is an area where we most fear the edge. Am I right? 
I mean, this seems so counterintuitive. And of course, we all think the church is just after our money. That's not what I'm talking about here. It's so counterintuitive, isn't it? It's like we're wired to just take care of us. We're wired for selfishness. I'm going to take what I have, use it on me, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And then what we wind up doing is not stepping through the edge of our fear and letting God meet us because we're trusting him and not ourselves, and then watch him do something that we haven't experienced yet. So moving beyond self-absorption to push through self-love into God-love and then let him respond and extend the edge of your faith by extending the edge of his kingdom. Is that your edge today? Third, the next word, final word, is empowered. Empowered is like discipleship, but it's at the next level. Because in, in empowered, you're not just taking care of your own personal spiritual growth. You know what you're doing? You're doing what Jesus did and what he told his disciples to do. You're now going to reach out to somebody else and say, hey, can I give you a lift? Can I help you out? Can God use me to help you? Because that's the way that the edge of the kingdom is extended across generations. In fact, Paul said this to Timothy, the things that you've heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, there's the second generation, then I want you to entrust those to reliable people, that's the third generation. Why? So that they will then help others as well. This is the way our church does our work. Four levels of leaders that are transferring it from one to the next to the next to the next because we are empowering others to multiply ministry. We're empowered to empower others. This is one disciple now discipling others. Maybe that's your edge. Oh, by the way, if you're a parent, you're already doing this. Now, I'm not saying it's happening in spiritual things, but I'm saying you're already monitoring the growth and development, and you're saying, oh, here's your edge. Would you push through that? I know you can do it. You're already discipling your kids. But in spiritual, it says, and I'm going to help. We're supposed to spiritually help parent one another and help us grow, find our edge, push through it, and then let God show up. So here's my question today. What edge is God calling you to push through that would take you to the next level? Is it evangelism? Is God saying to you, you need to share your faith and invite others into the journey so that they can find safety in our Savior? Then would you say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Is it discipleship? Is God saying, I want you to go deeper in my word, deeper in community, connect in group, and then step up to make a difference in somebody else's life? Is that your edge? Then ask him, take me to the next level. Is it generosity? Is it uh, trusting God with what so many people worship in life? Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money, but you can serve God with your money. And when you do that, God shows up in a way that shows you what generosity can do. Is that your edge? Or is it empowerment? Everything I've been learning isn't just for me. I have been entrusted so that now I can entrust somebody else. And I, is that your edge? Can you say, this year, Lord, would you help show me how to empower two other leaders, bring them up and multiply them in your kingdom and to extend your kingdom edge? Or is the Spirit saying to you, you know, somebody, 
Maybe you're one of those CrossFit cross trainer types, you know, and God is saying to you spiritually, no, not just one. I want you in all four. I want to show you how to multi-develop so that the impact you will have this year, when we're 12 months from now and looking back at this moment, you'll be saying, wow, look, like, look at where the edge went for me and what God is doing with me now. Or can I ask it in another way? This is uncomfortable. What are you most afraid of? Out of everything you've heard me say, what's the one that you're thinking, oh God, not that one? Right? Because chances are, that's where God is going to say, you know, if you trust me there, you'll discover that you're not God, and I am, (laughs) and you're going to come into a whole new level of development with me, brother, sister. Where's your edge? Will you join him there? So what do you see, Bill? Well, here's what I see. I see people. I see Christ's journey people moving to the next level in their spiritual development. I see people taking the challenge, being filled, and then overflowing with his spirit so that as we push through our fear, other people benefit in a world that's full of fear. I see us... uh, responding to the turbulence of disruption in a very chaotic world by trusting our rock-solid Savior, and I see us trusting His Word and applying it in ways for one another's benefit, forgiving, loving, encouraging, with patience and kindness, and empowering one another. I see us taking bold steps forward so that His kingdom can be advanced and we grow spiritually in discipleship and leadership to a whole new level. So you already know this. We will not be perfect. We're going to fail expectation. We'll fail our own expectations. But here's what we're learning. We don't come into this community of faith just to get our own expectations met. That's not why we're on the journey. We're in this journey because we get to contribute to something that is so much bigger than any of us. It's a God-sized vision of global impact from one local church in Miami. Our founders saw it. Jesus saw it. He wants you to step into it as well so that from us, we can simply learn how to multiply together. You remember when you moved from addition to multiplication? Different world, wasn't it? Here's what I see. I see multiplied blessings. I see multiplied campuses. I see multiplied leaders. I see multiplied groups. I see multiplied people multiplying other people so that the benefit of God's blessing gets into our homes, our marketplace, our businesses, our schools as we extend the edge of God's kingdom by inviting his blessing, being a church on the edge and a city on the edge for a world on edge so that we could say, you know what, we're a people of faith. How, what do we do about all of that? We say this, we're a people of faith, hope, and love whom God is calling to live on the edge, and what that means is I'm going to be on the edge of my seat to see what God is about to do as we trust him together. Don't you want to say yes to God's edge for your life? Would you pray with me? Brother, sister, where's the edge? Would you just say to God right now, I see it, I fear it, but I'm going to push through my fear and ask you to take me to the next level. Take me to the next level, Lord. Take me to the next level this year. Whatever edge it is, invite him to meet you there and take you to the next level.
for somebody, this may be your occasion to say, I just want to get on the journey. That's my edge. I want to step out of trusting me and try to figure it all out, and I want to step into following Jesus and letting him guide me into blessing. So if that's where you are, I want to offer a prayer that you can join me in. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit, and now lead me into the fullness of your blessing. I turn from my way to learn how to do life your way and invite you and trust you as my Savior right now. Now, our heads are still bowed, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated, wherever you're connecting with us, Kendall Campus, our pastors watching and praying, church online, just click right there. We're joining you in prayer. And then thank you right here for those who are saying yes. Thank you, Lord. To my right, somebody on the aisle, somebody against the wall, God bless you. Toward the front, toward the back, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, for every person who's taking the step of faith, we pray that they would sense your promised fulfillment right now of peace beyond understanding, of joy fresh and new, and of love that will never forsake them as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.